The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, Bill's Mafia? Welcome back to the Mafia Mavens podcast, a female podcast all about the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Danielle, and with me, I have my co-host, Robin, and we're so excited to be back after what seemed like a 20-year hiatus from the podcast. Robin, um, how excited are you? I just can't believe it. I am so excited. (laughs) It's been a long, long time, and I know that there were people that were messaging us you know, asking where the Mafia Mavens were and when were we coming back? And we didn't really have any answers because we didn't have any solid plan or set in stone. We missed the podcast, but, you know, it just happened that at the end of last year, you know, I was hospitalized for a little while and then I was trying to get back on track with my health. And then directly after that, all the COVID stuff started happening. So, you know, that kind of just through a wrench in our plans. And then, you know, my daughter now she's home for schooling and I just didn't have the time to do it, but I'm in creative mode and I've kind of gotten some of my, my shit together. So I think I'm ready to roll here. Yay. 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 Exactly. The COVID has hit all of us and the world isn't the same place. It was the last time we were doing podcasts. So much has changed. I'm very, very happy to be back and grateful that you're able to take the time to help get our podcast out. Uh, I also want to thank everybody that encouraged us to come back. Yeah, that's really important. And it's a big part of why we came back because we realized how many people did enjoy listening to our show and took things from it and saw that we have a little bit of a unique and different perspective than a lot of other people. And we truly, truly appreciate that. So we're, we're back and we're back for you guys. So thank you for that push. So what do we want to talk about first? Well, since there was a game yesterday, we might want to talk about that a little bit. What do you say? What'd you think of it? What I thought of it was probably a little bit different than what some other people thought of it. Because I saw a lot of tweets saying like, you know, this was such a horrible game and I don't even care that we won because it was so bad and we couldn't even score against the Jets and yada, 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 yada. Really? I think there's a lot of positives to take from this game. I don't know if you're with me. 
I think part of the problem is that people had expectations going in um, to this game. First of all, we were coming off two losses. So people are antsy. I get it. But we have to like take a deep breath and realize that this was a divisional game. Okay. The Jets are winless. Yes. But I think winless teams can be very dangerous. And I said that on social media before the game happened and it lived down to my expectations to some extent in that regard. But I do think we have a game to look back on in terms of the data. And you and I talked about this before the recording, but the data actually looks pretty good in terms of how this team performed overall. And they won. Isn't that important? That's super important. And it's like, you know, the the offense goes for over 400 yards. At eight different points, they were near or in the red zone where they could have scored. Granted, they only came up with field goals, but the fact that they were able to move down the field so easily tells me that the offense was overall clicking. The run game was starting to get going. Zach Moss was making some plays, which... By the way, I've been banging the drum for for Zach Moss for a long time. And I remember at the beginning of the year, before the season started, I was on a podcast and I said, eventually, Zach Moss will be running back number one. And Devin Singletary will be close. He'll still have similar reps, but he's going to be like the complimentary back. And I guarantee that we see that. I see a little bit of beast mode in Zach Moss that I just, I love, 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 love. So I'm glad he got going a little bit yesterday. We need to see more from the run game. But overall, I can't complain too much. You know, there was that touchdown that he threw to Gabe Davis that was called back by an illegal formation. I think it was on Davis, but it was a beautiful touchdown. Um, The throw to Tyler Croft, if it was just, if the timing was just a little bit different and Croft had better footing, that would have been an easy touchdown. So there were opportunities to score, but I think mental errors and penalties really just got in the way against the Jets yesterday. And that's going to happen. And instead they kicked field goals and won the game because the defense did enough to keep them from scoring anymore. And that's what good teams do when they are backed against the wall in bad situations, good teams find and crawl their way out of them and make sure that they win. The one thing I really liked that I saw was we seemed to drop out of that third quarter slump that we've had all season. And it was nice to see the team come out after halftime, having made adjustments and the defense was outstanding in the second half. And I think that's something people are kind of pushing aside we saw either some kind of defensive scheme alignment change. Um, I'll leave that up to Eric Turner to educate us about later in the week in terms of exactly what it was that the defense did at halftime. But they came out and they were they were on fire. Um, they were on fire. You know, we talked a little bit about the hit that Micah Hyde had. You know, that set the tone. There there was a lot going on in terms of defense. I, they got their backbone up again and decided that they weren't going to lose to the Jets. And, you know, the six sacks that, I think you said they had six sacks? Yeah, they did. That's, you know, awesome. It, and we had two interceptions 
first time all season. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So yeah, there there were a lot of really good things that came out of the game. I mean, the team is flawed, of course. Every team has flaws. Mm-hmm. But this team is starting to look like maybe they can put it all together. And I'm optimistic. You know, a lot of people, as you pointed out, were very negative about the the Jets game. But, you know, mentally, I think people were in a place like, oh, you have to beat the Jets by 50 points or, you know, you're not any good. Well, that's garbage. You know, that's just garbage. The Jets, no, they haven't won a game, but they are a division rival. And they have Greg Williams, who I think is still a good defensive coordinator. He doesn't have a whole lot of pieces to work with anymore. And he's still nasty and and kind of dirty, too. I mean, let's be real. I was worried about Henry Anderson and, you know, a couple of other players coming at us. But, yeah, I mean, you can't ever overlook the Jets. It's just, you can't overlook any division rival. So, to me, I am happy to come out of there with that win, especially with the entire tight ends team on the COVID list or COVID reserve list. Um, we had Tyler Croft and Reggie Gilliam could play tight end. But, I mean, who else? did? I don't think we even had anybody else. Nobody else was available. But, but Gilliam, you know, that's a, you brought up something um, about Reggie Gilliam. I really am intrigued by him. And he had that one nice reception in the, in the beginning of the game. And I'm anxious to see more of him as we go. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really like what I see from him. And he has that heart and energy. Definitely. I absolutely love. And there's just, there's something I was going to do a write up on him, actually. But I think that I'm going to have his mom come on our podcast. So nice. I want to talk pick her brain a little bit. Yeah. So I'm excited. I, I think that he can do big things. I really do. You know, what I like too, is that there's players that are coming up and contributing. They're calling up play, you know, players from the practice squad or, you know, people that you normally sit on the bench. Like, I think it was Justin Zimmer last week had a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. He came in and looked pretty good. And then this week, Dane Jackson comes in and I'm like, this guy's all over the field. And he's the one that had the interception. And I'm just amazed because that's a, that's a lot mentally to process, like, you know, I'm on the practice squad one week and the next week I actually have to play and be a starter and, and, you know, help my team win the game. That's a whole mental thing. And he did really well. He didn't, he did not look like a seventh round pick, did he? He didn't look like a rookie, to be honest, even like a rookie. So no, he didn't. I obviously haven't, you know, been able to like rewatch any tape and go back and see all of his plays. But I, I mean, from what I remember, he was there, he was around. And there was another instance, I think, where he almost made an interception. It might've been more of like a pass breakup kind of thing, but he was right there. You know, I would be surprised if he went back to the practice squad. I think he might stick around. And I hope he does. Well, we could sure use his help. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, Levi Wallace, I'm not sure if he'll be back anytime soon. How did um how did Matt Milano look to you? You know, I think I'm not sure, but it looked to me like he was on a pitch count and um I thought he looked solid. Obviously, having him there, you you notice when he's not, for sure. I think Tremaine Edmonds is the best beneficiary of Matt Milano being back in the lineup. They play Tremaine plays better 
when Matt is in, you know, at least at this point. Um, Tremaine had a better game, and I think having Matt there was at least part of the reason why. I didn't see anything outstanding, you know, from, from Matt, you know, he didn't have an interception. He didn't, you know, have any game breaking plays or that sort of thing, but he was there. And I think just his presence made a huge difference with the linebackers. I think on the fourth down stop, he was there to stop them. So I think that that was like his big play. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. I think absolutely having him on the field is because he seems to be their, their leader. After, you know, people like Lorenzo and Kyle and Eric Wood and, you know, after all of their retirements and things like that, you know, the defense has kind of lacked a leader and an identity. And I think we had talked about this before. Tremaine Edmonds is young. His personality, he's a very gentle person. He's quiet. Um... I did see him get fired up a bunch yesterday, which I attribute that to Matt Milano. Maybe something Milano said, you know, maybe he is the true leader. And when he's gone, it it really hurts them. Um, But in the second half, like he was just clapping and getting fired up and jumping around and yelling. And I'm like, wow, because you don't see that a lot from Tremaine. So something definitely snapped and changed in that second half. And it was great. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the locker room to know what it was, but worked whatever it was oh i was just gonna say i wrote an article for train wreck about the leadership issue on on defense as you were mentioning tremaine and that is you know i think a big issue right now is the lack of identity that the defense has because as we talked about before kyle williams was the foundation of that defense. He was the face of that defense for over a decade. And Lorenzo Alexander came in and did an admirable job as a, quote, grizzled veteran last year. And they both kind of anointed Tremaine as the next leader to be. And as I mentioned to you before, I had a friend that brought up the point, and I thought it was well made that, you know, sometimes leaders should emerge and not necessarily be anointed they kind of come on their own. And I I do wonder, you know, what is the identity of this defense right now? As you pointed out, maybe, maybe it's de facto Matt Milano and having him there juices up Tremaine and, you know, allows Tremaine to be the best person he can be as a leader on the field. I don't know what the answer is yet. I've you know, I'm I'm going to be curious to see how this defense progresses through the season to see who, in fact, really is uh, the driving force of leadership. Hoyer strikes me as someone who would be a leader. But I don't know if it's he's more of a leader of the, the secondary or of the team. I'm not quite sure. But, I mean, he's played phenomenally this year. From what I've seen, he's, he's another one that's been all over the field tackles he's always been fired up I don't I I haven't seen him really come out not caring or you know because I I alluded to something on Twitter the other day after we lost to the Chiefs I believe that the past two weeks the Bills have kind of looked like don't care like something's wrong like the camaraderie is off something maybe in the locker room is going on and just watching body language and listening to the afterwards when they're on their zoom meetings, they're talking with the press and 
just just those kind of things and watching interactions has made me feel that something is a little off and not quite sure what that is but i do feel like Hoyer wasn't involved in that like he always came out giving his best there's there's a few players like that you know offensively i think most of those guys were pretty good too on defense definitely something was broken and it's you know we have too much talent on this team to play how they've played for the past so many weeks so i'm hoping that mcdermott and bean get this stuff fixed fast whatever it is fix it and it's almost like it happened at halftime yesterday they did something said something all of a sudden you know it was fixed and the defense looked like it did last year one of the best units in the league so i think that they continue on with that i don't think that's a one-off i think this was the turning point for them in the season for the defense well let's hope so um we're ready anytime now <laughs> i think part of it is is what we're seeing with defenses across the league it's surprising because everybody going into the season thought that without a preseason, the offenses would be behind, and obviously they haven't been. The other thing that hasn't been talked about a lot that I think may be affecting defenses, and particularly the Bills' defense, maybe more than they're willing to admit, is missing the fans in the stands. Yeah, yeah, especially for the defense. I can see that they feed off of it. I was just going to say that the Steelers' defense really looks like they're the real mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are defenses that are operating at a at a pretty high level. But every team is different, and there were big changes across the defensive line for the Bills. You know, losing Jordan Phillips, you know, we got some new new players in there, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler. Harrison Phillips is still working his way mm-hmm. back you know, from the knee surgeries, this defensive line, it's taken a lot longer than I had hoped for them to gel, but hopefully they have turned the corner. You know, and that's one thing I want to bring up too, is the Harrison Phillips thing. I do see a lot of people speculating that he's being inactive every week because he's terrible and kind of like the bosses kind of showing him the business and saying like, you know, you're going to sit because you haven't played well. And, and really he hasn't played great. But I do remember a few weeks ago, I don't remember what coach it was, but they said that with the Harrison Phillips injury, it's going to be until at least, I think he said mid-season or maybe a little longer until he's at full health and recovery. I'm pretty sure that that was Leslie Frazier who mentioned that. And again, I think a lot of fans forget that he tore one ACL, but he had to have both legs operated on to get tendon from the other knee. And so you're essentially rehabbing two knees at the same time. And I think people need to be more patient with Harrison. And, you know, I don't think there was any message that was being given in terms of, you know, sitting him. I think the bottom line is they all realize that this is a process and everybody recovers from ACL surgery differently. And we all need to be more patient, in my opinion, with Harrison. You know, it might be midseason. It might not be till next season that, that he really starts to feel like his old self again. But he has the talent and the smarts to be able to come back and then start playing like we would expect him to play. So I'm not worried about him. I think that's more of a health thing 
get your health right, and then worry about the game later. And, you know, I feel the same way with Tremaine Edmonds. He's still, he's still hurting. You know he's still hurting. They keep bringing that up. And, you know, we talked earlier, yeah, he's going to start getting used to playing through the pain. But it's still going to affect him in, in certain ways. Like, you know, I, sometimes yesterday I'd get annoyed because I see this guy who's like 20 feet tall trying to tackle a player and just completely misses. Like, he's just nowhere near him. Like, how? How is that happening? And then I'm like, well, I, I, I think a lot of it is the injury, you know? So I'm hoping for him that when he's fully recovered from the injury, he becomes a much more physical player because that's what we need. We need that from him. He's the big dude. I mean, he's the guy. We need him to be the guy. So hopefully once this injury is over, he'll become that. And he also needs to start coming down with those interceptions because they're just like falling in his lap. And he, he just can't seem to hold on to them. So, like, maybe it's jugs machine time for him. I don't know. But he's got to do something about that. Well, at least he's getting closer to doing that. And I think that's that's progress. He didn't appear to me to be quite so um, out of sorts. And, and again, it may boil down to having his buddy Milano next to him. I think that has a lot to do with it. I really, really, really do. Milano, for as oft injured as he is, I mean, he's just a cog in the wheel. Like, he's so important. If there's no leader on the team, no true leader, then I would say at least Milano is probably the most important piece in that defense. I'm glad to see that Edmonds looked much better with Milano in. But in this sense, it worries me because then what, I mean, what happens if Milano gets injured again and he's out for the rest of the year? Does that mean that Edmonds reverts to playing not so well? You know what I mean? He has to be mentally stronger than that. I guess that's my point. Absolutely. And I think we're headed toward the middle of the season, and, and we're going to start to see this defense start to settle in a little bit. They'll, they'll gel. I mean, just like, you know, with our offensive line, how, you know, last year, the year before we had all new players, it took time for them to gel. And I mean, right now they're actually in a state of flux with Cody Ford being out and Quentin Spain's gone and, you know, so they have some new pieces in it as well. It's basically in general, any unit that works together has to have time to get used to each other and, and gel. That's important. People have to have a little patience with that. That's what they need to understand the most. Let's talk about special teams and Tyler Bass. So special teams in general has looked really well. Andre Roberts is just... Ugh, I love him. I just, every time he gets on the field returning kick or returning a punt, I just get so excited. I put it on our bingo board on Buffalo Rumblings like every week. Andre Roberts returned <laughs> for a touchdown and it never happens, but yesterday it almost did like a few times. And I was so excited. So like I, I couldn't ask for a better returner at this point. I love what he brings to the table. He's really outstanding. And one of these days he's going to break one of those loose. And I'm just going to like, I might have to record myself because I'll be going nuts. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> I remember, um, I don't even know if I've told this to anyone on a previous podcast. Um, I think it was against Kansas City years ago. And it was, it was close. And the Otis McKelvin was returning a kickoff. And before he did that, I remember I screamed really loud. And I know he heard me. So I was like, yeah, let's go, Leotis, return it back. And he looked at me and he shook his head. 
And he caught the ball and he literally took that thing all the way to the other end zone. And I was like, I did that. That was me. I did that. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. But that little motivational two second speech helped him score in the end zone for, for a kick return. So kick returns are like so exciting to me. They're like one of my favorite parts of the game, to be honest. It's weird. So yeah, Roberts will get his time soon. Okay, now here's the thing. We know the coverage is good on special teams too, right? And you know, there's a lot of great plays that these special teamers are making, which I love. Because in years past, we had had coverage teams that were terrible. And every time the opposing team would start at like midfield because of how bad they were. Not so this time around. So I, I'm giving major props to those. But the main person I want to talk about is Tyler Bass. Rookie kicker. What do you think? What, uh, what are your thoughts on him? Well, I'll start with not my thoughts about him, but my thoughts about the Bills fan base. I think that we're really expecting a lot from a 22-year-old. He basically went out yesterday and won the game. He was the only person to score points on the team. We all have to take a deep breath, in my opinion. And if you listen to any interview with Tyler Bass, he's a very interesting character because he's the first one to point out that nothing's ever been handed to him. And that every time that he's tried to achieve a goal, he's had to do it through perseverance and working hard and, you know, accomplishing everything he got on his own merit. And I really admire him for that. When he talks about his failures, when he misses a kick, he talks about how the adversity is what he learns the most from. And that intrigues me a lot. Mitch Morse talked about him in the post-game interview. If any of you are interested on buffalobills.com, it was interesting to hear kind of the older statesman of the offensive line making a comment about a kicker. But his comments were, I thought, very well placed and, and, and very well thought out. He's a young man. Tyler Bass is a young man who is learning wisdom as he goes. He won the game yesterday. Did he miss a couple of kicks? Yes. Does he drive us all crazy when he misses kicks he shouldn't miss? Yes. But let's also remember at Bill's Stadium, it's a unique place to play. The wind is always going to be a problem. And he's just, he's a tadpole. So I, I think people need to be more patient with him because he has one heck of a leg. And I said this to you yesterday when we were talking on the phone. Tyler Bass is the Josh Allen of kickers. He has an amazing leg and can boom that ball like into the stadium. He just needs to learn how to be a little more accurate and a little more consistent. That's it. And that will come. That'll come with experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the thing that I like, another Josh Allen reference, he does remind me of him in so many different ways, is the fact that misses, he doesn't let that bother him. He comes out and kicks it again. He was six for eight yesterday. I'm sorry, but that's not that bad. And with Hauschka, we were kind of always afraid of making those long field goals because we knew that he would probably miss. But with Bass, we now have someone who has the leg to make those field goals. So that's a big thing for us. 
And let's remember that some of us in Bill's Mafia are a little oversensitive to kickers that miss. So maybe we all need to just take a deep breath and let this young man learn his craft. Because I think mentally, the job of a kicker, you know, it's so mental. It's such a mental thing. And it's so important for him to have the confidence of his teammates, which I loved listening to what Mitch Moore said, because he was so complimentary of Tyler and and what he brings to the team. So, you know, the team is behind him. The team is going to be patient with him. And I think the rest of us ought to be a little more patient with him, too. Yeah, I agree. The other thing, there's a couple different things, but who else would you have right now as your kicker? Because there's nobody out there. I mean, go find me a kicker that would be better for our team right now. And I don't think you're going to find one, which is a big reason why I think that they drafted one and wanted to develop someone. And I'm all aboard with that. Exactly. And we haven't exactly been patient. You know, we drafted Justin Hopkins. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah, Dustin. Okay, thank you. Dustin, Dustin Hopkins, and, you know, he's he's turned out to be a very good kicker. So I think we have to let our kicker grow. We need to make some kind of phrase with that because I have a special spot for, for kickers. Here's the thing, too. Bills, like, the first four weeks were, like, very high-powered offense, and they were scoring lots of points. So a miss from him now and again isn't going to matter. The last few weeks, I think we've scored like 16, 17, 18 each week. And that's when it gets a little bit tricky because you're not scoring enough points to make sure the game's put away. But the Bills, now that especially like Josh Allen is adjusting to other defenses' adjustments on him, if we can get back to that high scoring offense again, then that will help Tyler because there won't be as much pressure on him. Because it's not going to matter if we miss a point or a field goal every now and then if we're up by, you know, three touchdowns or something. Exactly. Yeah, I think I, I agree. And I think that we definitely, definitely need to have some patience with him. I'm excited to see where it goes because I feel like this is going to be like one of those draft picks where he comes to Buffalo and he just stays in Buffalo and he retires in Buffalo. And I think he's going to be good like that for a long time. I think people will be talking about him one day. And that's not just me being a homer just got he's got what it takes and i love the one black under the eye i love that says it gives him confidence i'm like what gives me confidence watching him with the one eye black so i love it (laughs) (laughs) all right so we talked about the bills did all that kind of rewrapped and talked about what we saw um we didn't see hyper adrenalized josh allen too much except for the very beginning, maybe the first drive or so, where he came out a little little shifty, which he tends to do. Um, and that's hard to rein in someone who gets adrenalized so easily, like myself. It's kind of really hard to control. So sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. You know, good luck. But the nice thing is that he does settle down, and he settles in. Keep it like that the whole game like he used to. And he's been settling down a lot faster, which is nice. I'm happy with the way that he read the zone defense. And I'm happy that he took underneath throws, went to the short throws, wasn't always looking downfield to make the big play, to go for it. Um, I think he only threw two balls over 10 yards, which is great. I mean, obviously, I would love to see the big plays, but if it's not there, then don't make mistakes. Don't throw interceptions and 
he did force the ball a couple times, um, especially to Diggs, and I believe he did one to Davis. Um, that I want, I don't want him to do. I think that's just him seeing everyone covered up because the Jets' defense seemed to have done a good job of trying to take away our receivers. And he's like, okay, well, let me try and still see if I can make this play anyway because of my arm. So he forces it. Which, and he's going to get away with that sometimes, but then other times he's not. So it's such a hard thing. Like, do you want him to? Do you not want him to? It's a situational thing, I guess. You have to decide last minute what you want to do. But I think that's why he's – it's not that he's a bad quarterback and that he's regressed in any kind of way. He's just being like, okay, well, if they're not going to give me something, I'm going to take it. That's his mentality, I think. It could be. He's, you know, he's notorious for – always, you know, wanting to do the hero ball thing. But I think he's really reined that in quite a bit. And again, I'll, you know, I'll say the same thing as I did with Tyler. This is a learning process. He's unlearning habits that he acquired along the way that don't serve him well. And he's learning better habits in terms of his body mechanics and reading zone defenses and, you know, putting his team in the best position to win by taking what the defense gives you instead of trying to force the issue. And um, Coach McDermott was praising him big time yesterday on Twitter, I guess on his Zoom meeting about how much he's changed and been able to learn and adapt to that situation and how much better he's become at reading and adapting to zone defense. So, I mean, that's... Sean McDermott isn't like a huge let's praise everybody kind of guy. So when he says something, he means it. For sure. All right. Last thing. Let's talk just briefly about the Patriots, your favorite team in the entire league. I know you're excited for it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Actually, I was so excited. I did get a chance to watch just a little bit of the game yesterday. And it was so delicious, I must say. It was just so delicious. We all had to tune into that because it, it just feels so good. I was talking to um, friend Crystal and she uh, was with her, one of her friends. And he said, you know, I, I have to watch the Patriots lose because it's almost as good as watching the Bills win. And I'm like, I know that feeling and I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, okay. So what do we think about the Patriots? In terms of this upcoming game, my initial thought is this. This game, we must win. Okay, we always talk about every week, yeah, yeah, this is the must game, must game, must game. But if the Bills are going to take their game to the next level, they must beat the Patriots at least once this year. They must. If they're going to take the next step, they have to beat them once this year. And, it, and it's usually easier to beat them at home. Although it's going to be really sad that Bills fans, um, you know, can't be there. You know, I think that would make a huge difference um, for the team, you know, just from a morale standpoint. You know, I think they miss having Bills Mafia there. And it would it would help a lot. But here's the other thing. Cam Newton... Mm. He didn't look so hot yesterday. And this Patriots team is as beatable as they have been in a very long time. So I think this game should be 
something that we all look at as a measuring stick for, okay, where is this team really at this year? You know, we've been asking that question. They come out, they win four, they lose two, you know, they win a game yesterday. What we're going to see against the Patriots is where I think we really measure up. Yeah, I agree. All right. What else? Anything else you got to say? Nope. I'm done. You're done. All right. I'm done too. I think, I think I said all I had to say about this game. I think you did too. Overall, there were lots of positives, obviously stuff to work on, but I think that there's things that we saw that more excited for the future and what's to come for this team. And maybe they're finally getting their stuff together. Just so you know, going forward with our podcasts, we are going to be doing things a little bit differently. Um, Sometimes we're going to have podcasts where we're going to have some special, exciting guests on. And that podcast, we're just going to dedicate to that guest, whoever's on at that time. And, you know, talk about different things and those related, football related, female related kind of, you know, just it all depends on who we have on. So we're going to be doing guests this year. Um, And we hope that you will keep listening to us. And we're thankful and grateful for all of our listeners who have stuck with us and kind of poked and prodded at us all these months to come, come back and back on the horse. And we're here. We're excited. We're here to stay. And we can't wait for things to come. So before you go, make sure that you sign up to listen to all of the podcasts from the Buffalo Rumblings Network. They are Believe, Let's Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Code of Conduct with Jay Spence, Bruce Exclusive, Buff Hub, Jamie D and Big Newt, and Circling the Wagons. And then, of course, our own Mafia Mavens podcast. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And go Bills. Let's beat the Patriots.